Hello, my friend, and welcome to the 518th episode of the Sales Podcast. I'm Wes Schaefer, the Sales Whisperer, your host. Today, we've got Johnny from The Art of Charm. We were trying to get both him and AJ, but hey, you know, these are busy guys. So we got Johnny. It's a good show. Um, smart dude. We get into how he started, uh, why he started, lessons learned, why you need to be charming in life. And uh, you do need to be charming in life. All right. Just uh, trust me on that. Um, you're in for a good show. I apologize for being a couple of days late here. I've had some drama in the Schaefer household. We've been considering a move to Texas as of this morning. We've decided against it, staying here with the family. So uh, that has been an interesting last few weeks, to say the least. But um, it's the, the joys and the challenges of having a big family and working for yourself. You know, I have the freedom, the ability to go. I can do this wherever. Uh, I'm going to Maine in a couple of weeks for uh, a week to do jujitsu all day. <laughs> every day for a week if my old body can hold up um, I could live there I can live anywhere but um, you know it was a big decision we've got um, some in-laws that are struggling with some health issues so we just didn't want to push it and um, one daughter's going to college she spent her freshman year at home and um, so this next year she'll be at SDSU so we can stay close one might be getting married oh my gosh crazy but oh well the show must go on uh, got some good guests lined up had a good um, interview today uh, i'll be springing that on you in about three weeks uh, going to be doing more book reviews and uh, we'll be spacing these out a little bit um, but as always you know if you want to join the group uh, come on over at sellmoreofeverything.com uh, but if that's not your gig but you just want to support the show uh, because of the guest i had today uh, that I'll publish in a few weeks, um, I created a donate button. So if you go to donate.thesalespodcast.com, you can, you'll see three amounts, uh, but then there's um, uh, an any amount. You, know, you can do a dollar, whatever. $5, $500. Uh, you can do monthly, you know, whatever. Again, a dollar, $5, $10. Um, so if you get benefit from the show, and uh, you just want to support me as I put food on the table for my family, hit me up, donate.thesalespodcast.com. Uh, I've got Vidyard. They are a sponsor for this show and one more, and we'll see if they renew. But um, please listen to this for a quick minute, and we will get on with the show. Vidyard is an easy-to-use yet powerful video solution that makes it simple to create videos, host them ad-free, share them with others, and track their performance. Whether you're recording a video for one person or sharing it with the world on your website, it's easy to manage your video content. The Vidyard solution is built for business. It has robust analytics, integrations with top enterprise tools like HubSpot, and customization options that answer your unique needs. Look, email isn't dead, but it sure can be boring. Use Vidyard to record and send sales videos to connect with prospects, convert opportunities, and close deals. You can put a face to your name with video. I do this. Uh, record your face, your screen, or both for prospecting videos, follow-ups, product demos, and more. Sign up for Vidyard free today by going to vidyard.com whisper. 
And just like all of you, the team at Vidyard can't keep up with all those promo codes on podcasts and blah, blah, blah. So they're making it easy to sign up. Okay, no promo code. Just go to vidyard.com slash whisper to start using Vidyard completely free. And as a bonus, get their high conversion virtual sales playbook. Vidyard.com slash whisper. Look, if you are making video and you should be making video and you are throwing it up on the social media platforms and trusting them, then you are crazy. All right. You don't own that content. So own your stuff. Take control of it. Okay. Sure. Create the content. Upload it natively to the platforms like Instagram, you know, Facebook, whatever. That's fine. But you need to be backing it up professionally. Um, okay. You grow up, <laughs> you got to do it. It protects your business, protects you. I have seen people lose everything when they trusted the social media platforms. Uh, and those, those companies, they're, they're going crazy anyway, but I digress. Listening to Johnny will not make you crazy. The tips you get will help you grow your sales so you can afford any type of hosting plan offered. Okay. So take some notes. And then get you some video storage. Now, here comes Johnny. Johnny of the Art of Charm fame, all the way from Vegas, man. Welcome yes. to the Sales Podcast. How the heck are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Wes. I've been looking forward to this today, and we're going to have some fun. I know. Thanks for having me on your show. That was cool. And uh, AJ's on vacation. But, you know, I mean, look, look, everybody knows. You and I are, we're, we're the sexy ones, right? We're the ones people want to see anyway, right? That's how it works. That's how it works. Hey, just make sure AJ doesn't <laughs> hear that. that makes, well, I, okay, I might edit that out. All right. Um, so, oh, I just hit the mute button. Well, I'm trying to move windows here. The art of charm. What the heck is this? Who are you? Who's AJ? How can you help me start winning people over and grow my influence fast? Is that even possible? Is it? Let's go. Are you selling me, man? What's happening? Well, we're always selling. You know that as well as anybody. Yes, we and, are. And it's interesting, that idea of selling, because so many people go through life without ever realizing or opening the doors to their true potential. There's all these little things that you can do in life to enhance it, to maximize your efforts to build a life, as I call it, a life worth fighting for. A life worth fighting for is one that you've meticulously put together, a, a life that you authored, that you designed. And then of course, if you're going to put in this effort to, to build and design this life, well, yes, it's something that you want to protect. It is something that you want to defend because of the work that you've put in it to maximize, to get out everything that you possibly can in this life. I couldn't see going through life from one Netflix series to the next and one just consuming life, right? For myself, I want to engage in it. I'm a musician as well. And we'll, and I'll get to that in a moment, but I'd rather be a contributor than a consumer because of, of, I love creating and because of 
creating musically. I also like creating content for the art of charm. I also like contributing in the world and to my social peer groups as well to get those people fired up because consuming life is, is boring. You're not in it. You're outside of it. You're a, you're a spectator, but when you're contributing, you are engaging with it. You're, you're, you're battling it. It's, it's a full life's a full contact sport. We were just talking about uh, BJJ, but you get the most out of it by engaging. And, and well, that's that view of that. And certainly sales is one of those aspects of life where you, it enhances your life. It helps you build things. You're, you're selling yourself. You're selling ideas. You are selling uh, the way for people to follow as a, as a contributor, you want people to be excited about the work that you're doing. And that all takes cells. So I agree a hundred percent. Um, but tie this together for me. Cause you talk about producing and you know, don't be, don't just be a consumer. Don't just be passive. Don't just, you know, be force fed, whatever. Um, how does this blend in? How does this get into the art of charm, right? Because your website, you talk about discover how to easily captivate and connect with anyone. Um, what does that have to do with producing? Everyone gets to a point in their life, or at least I, I hope, where they have a choice in how they want to engage with it. And for instance, all of us, have been eating since we've been alive. But yet I didn't learn how to eat until I was in my late 20s. Meaning that I just grew up what was handed to me with my my family, the way they eat. I just adopted these ideas. Adopting the way my family ate. My dad grew up on a farm. Um, He experienced actual from farm to table sustenance food when and growing up we always had coca-cola in the fridge we've always had a ton of carbs in the fridge and then i when i actually learned with a with a proper meal was and what it looked like it was leaps and bounds from what i had grown up eating so i had taken responsibility for what i was eating because it had a direct effect on my output, my energy, my well-being, how I felt engaging in the world. So I changed that. And once you take responsibility for something such as your diet, all of a sudden you realize its benefits and you start looking to every other aspect in your life and seeing how you can enhance and maximize that. And eventually you're going to get to how you engage with the world how you engage with yourself and your inner critic and what you tell yourself and how you engage with other people. And you realize that you can take responsibility for that and you can enhance that. You can enhance enhance your communication, which is going to allow you to access building a better life for yourself because you're able to communicate your wants and needs. So the art of charm is all about is is another self improvement company, 
However, we're focused around social skills, communication with yourself and to the people around you. Okay. So somebody's listening to this and they're saying, Hey, I'm a blue collar guy, or I'm just a worker. I'm not in management. Uh, I'm just a teacher, whatever, fill in the blank. Right. Uh, This doesn't apply to me. Oh, but it does. You can opt, you can opt out or you can engage. I grew up in Pittsburgh. My dad was, my dad grew up on a farm, but my dad worked in a factory. He worked in PPG. He made windshields for cars. He spent 10 hours a day in the furnace of that factory where the presses would come down in that furnace and mold those particular windshields to a specific model for whatever automobile they were pressing that day. My dad, because of that line of work, always seemed forever just pissed off. And I could watch him and his, how he went into work every day. And I realized I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to have to deal with what he was dealing with. And of course, I'm sure like any father wants to have the best for their children and wants their children to learn from their mistakes and have a better life. And for the blue collar guy, you have little ones watching you. You may have your friends watching you. You are a leader, much like you're a salesman, whether you want to be or not. And so even if you have a blue collar job, how you engage with that job, how you engage with the other aspects of your life is going to dictate how much you're getting out of life. I remember the time, the first time that it pierced my own arrogance of that. My happiness was my responsibility. And I maybe I've heard that several times in my twenties and it, I never sank in well, until you much like in sales, you hear it enough times where it does pierce. And then I realized just how many things I was doing in my life that weren't contributing to my well-being that were making me miserable that I had complete uh, the ability to change once I had taken responsibility for those aspects. So the back to your question to the blue collar guy or somebody that feels that they don't have a choice, you always have a choice and how you engage in the world is completely up to you and what you, how you view it, your worldview, your perspective, how you're going to engage with it. What do you want to get out of it? All of these things, that's all left up to you. Uh, Amen. You know, I'm looking at your site and, you know, you talk about here, you've spent long enough feeling like you're missing out on genuine connections, easy relationships, and a fulfilling career path. Stop wishing for better and let us help transform you. Uh, You know, you talk about that and I mean, my dad was a blue collar guy. Uh, I remember my uncle, you know, blue collar guy. Uh, and my dad, not so much so, but my uncle, he kind of remember like pissed off at the world. <laughs> He'd come home, you know, yeah. take his boots off, maybe take a quick shower, smoke mm-hmm. two packs of filterless cigarettes a day, um, you know, died of COPD and complications from that. Um, he would sit in that chair 
and he would watch his show, smoke his cigarettes, yep. drink his Budweiser, eat, you know, at a, on a TV tray and, you know, hanging out with them. He was, he was certainly jovial and cordial and always had a joke. And, uh, but you could tell it's like, it was like him against the world. You could tell he was just carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. Right. It certainly does it. And the evidence is overwhelming about how being creative and building and contributing allows us to feel. And right now we have all the distraction in, in the world for us to just consume more so than our fathers and, and uncles did, right? You were relegated to the shows that were on and you either liked them or you didn't. And sometimes you even watched them because nothing else was on and you might as well try to get into it. And now we're at a place where there's always something that you're going to be interested if you just look hard enough. Now, do we have to accept that and just start passively consuming? When I realize biologically, I'm going to get more out of life by building, by creating, by contributing, by helping others. The evidence is overwhelming. So again, it comes down to what I, I want to take responsibility for my own well-being. And I'm going to do the harder thing because in the end, that makes me happier. Yeah. Cool. How did you and AJ get into this? I mean, I know you just moved recently from, from LA up to Vegas. Um, you're a musician, right? An entertainer. Um, how y'all seem like you come from different backgrounds, but you're doing something uh, very unique. How'd that come about? As I was mentioning, I grew up in a, a blue collar family. My mom was a hairdresser. Dad was a factory worker, but my dad was always, he's always a hustler. And one of his side hustles was playing in bands. And, he, and this is back in the 70s and 80s. So bands back then got paid good money to be the local bar band. And you learned a bunch of top 40 tunes and you set up in the corner of the bar. You played a two, three sets throughout the evening. Uh, and uh, and that, that was the gig. And so my father's band used to rehearse in our basement. So as a kid, I'm feeling the floorboard, the floorboards reverberate with all those mu songs and music. I would hear the songs from the radio come blasting from downstairs from my dad's own band. I would see my mom and my dad getting dressed up and their friends coming over to pregame before the show. And as a young kid, you can imagine how that made me feel to see that, to want to be a part of that. So, of course, I got into to music as well. And I set out to work in the music industry, to be a performer, to engage in that sort of lifestyle and, and ideas and, and create. I'm an artist. But as I got into my later 20s, the world of music that I grew up wanting to be a part of was changing so rapidly that you could even make an argument that the world that I grew up wanting to be a part of didn't even exist anymore. 
And I'm also looking into the world, and this is even before social media was established. At this time, LimeWire was how people were trading music. Friendster was a thing, but MySpace was starting to take off. And I'm looking down the road, and I'm like, I can't see us returning to what it was. And what's coming down the road, does it interest me or have the same rituals and tradition that, that I grew up wanting to be a part of. And I had, and because I've wanted to be a musician from such an early part of my life, there was never any exploratory reflection about anything else. So I decided moving into my thirties that I needed to ask myself some hard questions moving forward and to, to deliver honest answers I'm going to need to be very honest with myself. And that became a a time of reflection and using self-development as a tool to, to, to reflect. And of course it was then I started implementing these ideas that I started learning in self-development that after implementing had such a radical change in my, my own life, my well-being, how I viewed the world, how I engaged with it that I just one obsession rolled into the next. And of course, and that just became a new career path that I had had so much fun. And I just decided to follow that out. I ended up getting a job. I was living in North Carolina at the time. I got a job in a small self-development company in DC where I'd go up on the weekends and teach some classes and talk about my experiences. And AJ at that time, and, and, and uh, he had a business partner named Jordan at the time. We all, we all had uh, met in DC. And then we had decided at that point to build the Art of Charm. And uh, Jordan had went off to do his own thing. Uh, and when you meet people that young and you start to engage in this and there was a brand new world, um, AJ and I decided that the art of charm was what we wanted to do. And Jordan had other aspirations. So he had left it to go do those. And for the last 15 years, we had been building uh, the art of charm, giving out free content podcasts, the works uh, and engaging and helping people. And from to make the world a better place from our own little corner of the internet. You've been doing it how long? Say fifteen years, uh, close to it. Man, started uh, two thousand seven. That's awesome. And then, of course, I, I've been in involved in self development for a good uh, few years before that. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think anybody in our space, people that are in sales, people that are in any kind of coaching, um, I think we have that in common. I mean, I was. I was still in the Air Force dabbling in different network marketing. Uh, I was stationed out here actually at the end of 94 and a coworker, a civilian, he was retired Air Force and came back to work on base. You know, he was introducing me to network marketing and I was reading, you know, how to win friends and influence people. Uh, And, and then, you know, then Tony Robbins and then, um, I mean, all the guys and, yeah. and it's, um, it's an interesting journey, 
but y'all y'all took this another step. How did you go from just being practitioners and you know students of this to saying, "Hey, we can make money on this"? I mean, because going back 15 years, I mean, it's 2006. Uh, things were kind of hard back then, right? I mean, building a website, yeah, WordPress was around, yeah. but it was pretty new. Uh, all the e-commerce things. Uh, I didn't get into Infusionsoft till 2008, so. I didn't even have an, I didn't have a merchant account until then. So, I mean, uh, how did y'all crank that up? Well, this is where the art of charm is a bit unique in its creation. So back then, if you remember in the self-development realm, there was a little corner of it that was basically dedicated to meeting the ladies. Now you have to remember and look at the internet for what it is when it was in its early creation, who are going to be the first people who are going to conjugate and start chatting online? The nerdiest guys on the planet because they are making use of all this new technology. Yeah. Well, what are they going to talk about? <laughs> going to talk about meeting ladies. That's what all young guys are going to talk about. So there had been this online community that to me, was the first online community that sort of spilled into mainstream culture. And there was Neil Strauss's book, the game came out and everyone was talking about pickup and, but it was also linked to men's right activists, um, but also, and, and self-development and self-development was a, a part of that. And for my for myself and and those guys I, I won't speak for them so for myself i saw an opportunity to correct some of the myths and bullshit and garbage that i had seen in that community now at the time i had been playing in bands managing a bar um so i've been very social and and I, what I had saw was more detrimental to young men enhancing their life than, than, um, than the quick fix tricks and hacks that they were implementing. So I, for us, it was an opportunity. We started as a response to what we had seen in that community that we felt was harming young men. And, and so there was already that sort of community and coaching and boot camps and things that were going on. And we were a response to that. And we started doing our own thing. And as we had gotten older and the, the art of charm in itself, we, we branched out into more so of just communication. Our audience, the podcast, AJ and Jordan had already started the podcast uh, just a little bit before I had joined in and it had exploded because podcasts weren't even really a thing yet. Joe Rogan wasn't even a, a podcasting at the time. And because of that, uh, the audience had grown and much like think about Maxim magazine. It was a men's magazine, but do you know how many women bought that magazine and enjoyed peering into a guy's mind? It was very popular and much like that. A lot of women were listening to the show. And we, we felt an obligation to, to course correct a bit to make the show about 
communication, to be your best self, to contribute to the world, make yourself a better person. We don't need to talk about picking up ladies if we're, if we are the best that we can be. You're going to be attracting opportunities just by being a high value person, whether that's uh, business opportunities, whether that's networking opportunities, whether that's ladies, you are an awesome person. You have a lot going on. You've built up your life. You are not chasing opportunities, networking ability and ladies. They now are attracted to you. And so, um, a few years getting into that, we started to create the art of charm around that idea more and more. And now it's, we're so well into it. It's all about communication, uh, your intent, building yourself up. And this is why you and I had gotten in touch because sales is such a big part of that. And there is so many unique, interesting things within the sales process that persuasion, communication, leadership that make you a better person, a better man. You know, it's funny. You mentioned Neil Strauss, (laughs) man, it was probably eight years ago. I mean, it's been a while and I was, I sat down, write up a blog post and, and um, I started doing some research on sales books. Right. So I I did a search for like best sales books or top 10 sales books, something like that. And I, I run across all these various, various lists and I'm like, okay, yep. I know that one. Oh, I got that one. I got that one. And Neil Strauss, the game like popped up. I'm like, I've never freaking heard of this thing, right? I've been in sales since 1997. I know. So at that point, right. 18 years, roughly. And, won all kind of awards, own the sales whisper. I'm like, how come I haven't heard of this guy? And I look him up I'm like, oh, it's a pickup artist. <laughs> so I go buy his book, right? And I tell my wife, I'm like, I'm ordering this book. <laughs> it is research. <laughs> uh, and But it's it's 100% sales. I mean, everything, yeah. I, pu- I pull so everything much. Everything in it. I've, pu- I've bought other books of his and, and emulated and pulled some things. I need to have him on the show. It's because it's all sales. It's it's scripts. People are like, I don't like a script. I'm like, hi, how are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. How's the weather? Oh, it's good. Kind of getting a little warm. How about you? I'm like, what are we doing? It's a script. Everything's a script. You know, and it's just how good are you at at letting it roll off your tongue and appear natural? You know, and, and once I internalized that, it's like, man, things took off. Well, if you even broaden it out a bit. The philosophies that you follow or not follow or think you don't follow and and actually follow are scripts. (laughs) They've already been written out. And if you don't think that you're following a philosophy or a script, uh, you will be given one. And you may not like the one that you've been given. The media has a world that they want you to buy into and follow. That's a script. That is an idea. That is a worldview that has been laid out. You don't have to think about it. You could just follow that to it's the conclusion that they want, or you can decide for your else. You can decide for yourself how you want to engage with the world. Now, do you think the government wants you to, figure it out for yourself? Or do you think the government would just love for you just to follow their script? (laughs) It's it's not a hard question. 
So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that are scripted out like that frameworks that we use or that we follow in life, whether we know, whether we are aware of it or not. Well, that's the old, the old poker adage, right? If you don't know who the chump is at the table, it's you. <laughs> there's a, the, the one I used to hear was, um, that's a beautiful one. There's all, my dad told me there's always one weirdo on the bus. I looked around, I couldn't find him. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. People, they don't realize and like when, when I'm doing a training, you know, I'll, I'll pull their chain, I'll jerk their chain, show them how they're being manipulated. And it's, I mean, I don't know if it's naivete or lack of faith or I don't know, but the people like I'll present it and they still want to bury their head in the sand. I'm like, well, good luck with that. Um, well, it's easier to just ignore the truth, yeah. right? Because the truth means that you have to make harder decisions, Yeah. right? So like I or could even you have to make decisions. And if you've never made decisions, then make the process of making decisions seems hard. Right. The cognitive load is, yeah. is, is always going to be there in making those decisions. And, and what's interesting about this is I always, I always been, I laugh at this. I've talked so much about why everyone needs to take a marketing class so they can understand when every time that they open up their laptop, what they're viewing and how it's messing with them and the images and the words that are used on that. And then what's interesting about this is we used to only been marketing to from agencies in the past when the government would market to us for ideas. But now everyone has the ability to market to everybody. And, and everyone is in varying degrees of how good they are at that marketing. So I have millions of people marketing to me every time I open up my computer. And every time I talk about this, uh, there's always inevitably somebody who says, well, those things aren't going to work on me. And if you have that, <laughs> if you think that way, I got news for you. You've already been bought and sold. <laughs> yeah. You have to understand you open up that computer, you see an image, you have an emotion that is invoked in you. And then you read the text to what that picture is. And now that that text has you clicking a, a button or, or moving to the next, this is now you got, you got invoked with emotion. You, you wonder why, why you're feeling this way. So you, now you read the message and now it just got you to comply with something, whether it was go click to the next page or do this, or if you want this, follow this. So now you've already been bought in sold it's just how far are you going down this rabbit hole it's not a, it's not a question of if or when it's 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 how far yeah and if you understanding that and accepting that is terrifying to most people yeah. And they'd rather be blind to it. Now, if I just come home from work and go on the Netflix and I start getting marketed to, I don't have to worry about it. I'm accepting whatever it is. But if you're, when, once you start building things, 
And then you realize that you need to sell your ideas and you need to sell the things that you are creating. Then you begin to start to see all the other marketing that is geared towards you. Mm-hmm. And, and people complain about it. They don't realize every time you take that survey on Facebook, I mean, you're just feeding yep. the algorithms, you're feeding the machine, you know? So it's, um, and yeah, even you log into Netflix. Well, they know, they know what you've clicked on. They know what you've hovered over. They know what you've previewed. Uh, and it can be good. It can be bad. I mean, Hey, I appreciate, Hey, show me some action movies, whatever. Okay. It narrows down my choices. Okay, cool. <laughs> I, I, Hey, I love when Facebook shows me something that I want to buy. And if, and of course I'm like, how'd they do that? Well, they did it because it's called predictive marketing and you're more predictive than you even know. And within seven clicks, they know other things that you're going to be looking at it. This predictive marketing it's not only good, it's only going to continue to get better as we continue to feed these machines our information. It's yep. hilarious to me. And every time I bring this up and somebody goes, well, these things are just tools. It's just, a yeah, okay, tools. A hammer is a tool. And when I'm hanging a picture on my wall in my living room, I might use a little hammer to tap in the, the nail or or whatever I got to do. But this tool that I have, let's replace the hammer with a jackhammer and try to put the picture in uh, to that living room wall and see how that works. That's what we're dealing with. We're, this is not a hammer. This is not a screwdriver. <laughs> these are tools on steroids it's it's hilarious to me it's crazy so you've got you've got your podcast right the art of charm uh got your website the art of charm that's uh that's very ingenious the way y'all name things that the same that's just did did aj come up with that you know i don't remember even how that name had come up and Here's the thing that's interesting about this. And if I could go back in history and think about what the art of charm was going to become or what the, the cultural uh, feelings were going to be and the, and what culture was going to look like 10 years down the road, perhaps I wouldn't have named it that, or perhaps I would have kept it that. Um, but we didn't know what we were doing. They were just out of uh, college Jordan was getting a job on, on Wall Street as a, 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 a lawyer, uh, and AJ had just left medical school, seeing that there was an opportunity with the podcasting, our charm, and the coaching company that we were building, and, to, and to, to just jump in with that while there was we had this momentum and see what was going to happen. We didn't know about any of that, and the internet was still rather young. Uh, so like we were naming things because it, we felt it worked during that. There was no thought about the future or, <laughs> or any of that. Yeah. So, I, so in a lot of ways, I, I tend to think that we were at least cognizant enough to to be respectful that anything could happen in the future. And we should at least keep it simple. Yeah. 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 It's smart. I mean, 
It's a great name, um, great program. I mean, are y'all meeting in person, you know, because of COVID or are you doing things live again? So we were in the middle of transitioning our business uh, right before COVID so that we would be able to scale it easily. Um, the company was built and the model that we had used for our programs was all live, but, and that also worked for where the technology was when we started as a company in 2007. Obviously, after 15 years, that technology has changed so drastically that the technology, our, it outgrew our, our model. We had to then catch back up and, and realize that we had an antiquated model that wasn't as easily able to scale as other folks because they had built their businesses around the technology at the time. So we had just begun doing our work to start transitioning a lot of our stuff online when COVID happened, which gave us the time to just focus on that because we had, uh, I believe we had seven programs on the books at that time that we had to hold. Now, since COVID has opened up, there's been a lot of folks who, who want to do things in real life due to being cooped up for the last year. So uh, we have some live programs coming up. I believe there's a couple seats left. Uh, some, most of them are sold out. And, uh, but we also have now the ability to scale and do everything online where the live programs now are going to be icing on the cake. Those are going to be special events that we're going to be doing. We still have a lot of folks who had purchased those programs that we're going to get off the books uh, and we're going to keep those more sporadically than we used to due to the, the technology that we are able to use now. Yeah. Very cool. Well, man, good luck with that continued growth. I um, glad you made the time, you know, now, now I got to have AJ on and I'm about to get his side of the story. You know, I, I see what y'all are doing. You're going to make me have you on twice. You, today, your marketing, your, Oh, that's part of, that's part of your strategy, isn't it? It's always part of the strategy there. <laughs> Very nice. Well, man, I thought I was coming to Vegas this week, but um, one of the folks I was going to see came down with the Rona. So uh, I'm going to reschedule. I'll let you know. And um, you'll have to show me the town. Yes, please do. I, well, I, I moved here during the pandemic, so I'm learning it myself now that things are as wide open as they are. And I've never been much of a gambler. Um, however, I have been messing with the video poker and uh, I'm starting to figure it out a little bit. At least I learned drop in a 20. If you hit, that's when you get out of there. You don't hang out and <laughs> start to think you are it's your lucky day. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big gambler. I just like the energy of the, of the city, you know, so. Well, that's, it's got that in spades. I, I can people watch and smoke a cigar and just have fun. Well, man, this has been great. Thanks for coming to the show, everybody. Visit theartofcharm.com and tell AJ and Johnny that I sent you. Thanks for coming on, man. Have a great day. Thank you, Wes. You're part of a script by force or by accident an elegant way of saying when you're looking around the poker table and you don't know who the chump is it's you that's what's happening in this world 
everywhere you go, a sale is being made. You know, we know from the Bible that, you know, when two or more are gathered in my name, there I am, right? That's what Jesus tells us. But also when two or more are gathered, a sale is made. Somebody takes control of that situation. You're deciding where to eat, where not to eat, whether to stay home or not, what, sh- what show to watch, whatever. So you better learn this, okay? Understanding the art of charm, understanding sales, persuasion, marketing, how to connect with people. Mm, it's been my secret weapon, but not too much of a secret, huh? I've been doing this since 2006, doing the podcast since 2013, that's what we do in the Sell More of Everything program uh, is to help you sell more better in writing, in video, face-to-face, one-to-many, you know, virtually on webinars. Uh, I'm speaking in Orlando in September, so speaking from the stage and persuasion, it's the art of charm. All right? Get you some. Get the book. Join the program. Just stay plugged in. You know, there's a ton of content on the website. Again, if you want to donate, it's donate.com the salespodcast.com pick one of those three amounts or pick add any amount add monthly whatever i appreciate you any amount you give all right thanks for listening i'll go sell something bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.